you know, I think the biggest motivation is that people feel inspired to want to support the people that are feeding the planet, right? Like it's, you know, I think the the center point that we connect people on is is something very fundamental, which is our sustenance, right? Um, and so I think that, you know, our donors really connect with that. You're listening to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast. Here's your host, Stu Swinefort. Hey, everybody. Stu here. My guest today on Relish This is Sherry Manning, and she is the executive director of Global Seed Savers, which is a really cool organization that helps farmers save out a certain amount of their seeds so that they can plant again the following year. They do most of their work in the Philippines and have a a Philippines unit as well um, that does a lot of great work over there. And they're doing some really cool stuff kind of all throughout the the, uh, engagement life cycle. So we had a really cool conversation and two things that came out of it were the first was really being able to help focus your organization on profits. And even though we are nonprofits, when we run events and and things of that nature, we really do need to be focused on the costs versus the net uh, revenue that's generated from those, those endeavors. And the other thing that we talked quite a bit about was persona development development and understanding how to take what's working and develop a persona around that and then be able to do more of what's working. So it was a really fun episode. I think you're going to enjoy it. Lots, lots of fun things to talk about. And here we go. Hey, Sherry, how are you doing today? I am good, Stu. How are you doing? I am doing really well. It's a beautiful day up here in the high country today. Um, we got another <laughs> another twelve inches or so of snow, but uh, but it's melting off really quickly. So that's nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's mud season for sure. So <laughs> indeed, I've sent out several emails today where I talk about how how much my muck boots are getting a workout uh, yeah. right right now. So it's part of, part of living in Colorado. That's right. That's right. We love it. We love it. <laughs> indeed. So tell me a little bit about what you guys have going on at the Global Seed Savers. Uh, organization. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we are um, Global Seed Savers is an international nonprofit organization. We're based um, here in Denver, Colorado, out of the Posner Center for International Development, but our primary operations are on the ground in the Philippines. And oh, wow. we, um, we work with smallholder farmers and farming communities there, helping restore the traditional practice of saving seeds and, and restoring local food systems. So I'm I'm happy to dive into more details, but we're we're all about restoring food and seed sovereignty, and and really working from the the grassroots up to ensure communities have the local resources they need to sustain themselves. Ah, that's great. I know that there are some interesting challenges with that here in the states. Is that why it's a Philippines based organization, or have you do you, do you have touch points here uh, stateside as well? We, we do have some domestic partnerships here in the United States. We work with an organization called the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance, which does a lot of seed education and training throughout the Rocky Mountain West. Um, but my, my work in the Philippines and the reason that that's where we're, we're based started over 15 years ago when I served as a Peace Corps volunteer there. 
back when you didn't get to pick where you go. So I like to say that the Philippines chose me. Um, and it's really my time there as a volunteer learning and, and listening and living with um, my host family at the time um, that kind of spurred the creation of what's now Global Seed Savers. Wow, that's great. So so you work with with farmers there in the Philippines to help them um, you know kind of get get that their current crop harvested and then save for their for future crops is that is that part yeah. of your program yeah yeah so we we really do a um, we come in with an education program so we do um, a, a series of different trainings our core curriculum is a program called seed school where we're we're teaching we're facilitating and by we I mean our farmers our staff in the Philippines are are training other community members in this historic practice of saving seeds and so right. you know for your listeners who, who don't know gardening or don't know seeds um, you know this how we got our food diversity or our past food diversity is literally by saving seeds. Seeds are meant to be, um, crops are meant to be planted and then a portion of them saved and grown to seed and then replanted again. Um, but really just in the last 30 to 40 years, as, um, you know, multinational chemical corporations have taken control of our food systems, um, the practice and the art of saving seeds is being lost. And in particular in, growing um, populations like the Philippines. And so, right. um, you know, we're really coming in, working side by side with the community to help restore those traditions. So we do our technical training program. And then depending on the needs of the community, we'll work with those farmers to do seed trials. We're there, um, you know, in the field, dedicating a portion of their land for seed production and then okay. helping them establish seed libraries in those oh. communities. Okay, great. And our yeah. individual just my this is fueling my own curiosity here, but are individual farmers um, doing the seed storage themselves or are there repositories or how, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. So we um, we kind of do a little bit of both. Um, a big part of what we encourage is is helping the on farm seed storage because that's okay. a huge that's a huge important piece of it. And then we're also helping communities establish local seed libraries. So these are not the solve the Svalbard seed vault up in Norway. These are literally right. <laughs> these are literally small uh, cabinets um, in proper storage containers where where all of our our partner communities bring a portion of their seeds so that the rest of the community and their other farmers um, can share and exchange those seeds as well. Yeah, because um, there's a lot of diversification that goes on with with mixing of of seed yeah. stocks. Yes, yes. And you want that. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the thing that you want is that diversity. I mean, I think we know that in, in many aspects of our world, but in particular in agriculture, you want diversity. You don't want monocrop. Um, right. you're, you're way more prone to disease, to pests, to, to the impacts of the pandemic, to the impacts of climate change, unless you have diversity. So, Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a simple... It's a simple solution that that we've we've overcomplicated in our modern world, and so you know I think something I always like to say is in this sector in the nonprofit world, people like to talk a lot about innovation and doing the next big thing, and we take a lot of pride in that we're helping return and restore you know old traditions because yeah. that's what really works. It's getting back to basics and yep. and really leaning back on those things that that have been proven proven to work for for generations. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's really cool. So in terms of, of your organization, where, where do you feel like you land in terms of, of your, 
um, maturity in in the you know kind of building awareness and and bringing in donors and and you know do you work with volunteers? No, it's it's a good question, and and we're actually at a, a pretty exciting tipping point um, in our in our life cycle right now. Um, I would say that we are we are primed and ready and have moved over the last few years from a, a scrappy startup um, to a more established adolescent um, nonprofit. So um, we do have two uh, full-time paid staff members in the Philippines, Filipinos, that run our programs and operations on the ground. Um, I'm the only U.S. staff member. Um, and then we're, we're really getting ready to grow. We're, we're planning to bring on two new team members in the Philippines. And, you know, I think... I think for us, um, you know, we, we do have volunteers here and there in terms of helping with events and different, mm-hmm. different things here in the U.S., but, but our, the core of our, our people that really make the work happen are, are on the ground in the Philippines. That's great. What's fueling that ability to, to, uh, you know, to grow the, the staff and, and expand your mission? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's 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 a many it's many things. Um, I think that we over the years have really honed in on exactly kind of what our value add in this big ecosystem of sustainable egg, regenerative egg, whatever you want to call it. There's there's a lot of different words floating around the world right now, um, yeah. and I think that that in particular, Stu, the the pandemic in the the last fourteen months, fifteen months, whatever we're at now, um, has really we reawakened the need for these local systems. And in a country like the Philippines, that's only been even more exacerbated um, with the other challenges that were already existing there. You know, it's a land of 7,000 islands. Um, You know, food supply chains were cut off very quickly. We already had densely populated urban areas that struggled with food insecurity and, and the pandemic only exacerbated that. And so communities are really saying, hey, we need to go back to these local systems. We're kind of being cut off from each other and from the world, and we want to engage and and do this ourselves. And so really, I think the the pandemic, we were just primed and ready. We already kind of had some momentum. We'd run programs in different regions of the country. We had our two staff members Mm -hmm. on the ground already, and we've now just been able to to respond to that. And, you know, obviously we're grateful for all of our supporters and donors and, um, you know, continuing to build on that, but, right. um, the, the timing, the timing all came together in a positive way. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great that you were primed and ready for that. I, I think that there are a lot of organizations out there who, who had the knowledge and the capability to, to bring valuable assets or information or assistance to these areas that were really, really hit hard in the last you know year, year and a half, but um, but they they weren't able to you know take action on that based upon you know their revenue streams or mm. or um, you know other other mechanisms that they just couldn't put in play based upon cash flow. Um, so it's great to hear that you were able to to kind of pounce on that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, and and you know I think the the one thing that's helped, and you know I'm I'm a I'm continuing to to work on on not having a scarcity mentality, you know, being the founder and being from the bottom up. It's it's uh it's amazing to kind of sit back and see where we are now, but I think one of the benefits that we were placed in you know as an organization is we were pretty small and lean as it was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of nonprofits, a lot of my colleagues at the Posner Center really had to take a hard look at their budget when COVID first hit and make some hard decisions, but we've been pretty lean from the get-go. And so we were kind of able to just 
ride it out. And, and, you know, we had to, we had to put a pause on a lot of direct programming in the field because of travel restrictions, Right. but we didn't have a lot of, a lot of wiggle room in the budget in the first place. And so it, uh, it, it put us in a position of, of being able to kind of dig in and, and maintain all of our staff. That's something I'm really proud of. We, we were able to keep all of our team, um, keep paying them. And, and now we're, you know, as, you know, the pandemic's a very different situation in the Philippines currently, but, you know, we're kind of coming out of some of this um, and we're, we're able to respond to the growing need. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. So what, what are some of the things that are on your growth agenda in terms of, of really helping to be able to expand that mission or, or, you know, reach more people um, to help them with, with, you know, not only teeing up their ability to, to handle these kinds of challenges in the future, but, um, but just to expand that mission. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, um, we're really excited about, we're just in early conversations about um, some of these kind of program model changes, but something that we really want to do is we want to be global seed savers and global seed savers, Philippines want to be kind of the hub, the center point that's building a coalition of all of these community partners, farmers, other nonprofits that want to engage in this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're excited about building out that membership model. Um, so, you know, a farmer's organization, a local government unit, uh, another organization that wants to partner with us can become a member of Global Seed Savers Philippines. They'll pay into that. And then with that, they'll get kind of a menu of, of our options. They'll get access to online seed school. They'll get access to gatherings of other members of the community to learn from them. And so, you know, I think as, as the demand for what we're providing is growing, we want to continue to think about how to do it smarter, not harder. Um, Mm -hmm. and to, and to really have global seed savers be the center point of making all of these connections for these communities doing this work. Right. How, what, what kind of outreach are you doing now to kind of ex- explain that new positioning and, and, uh, you know, get people on board? Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of in the internal conversations right now about that. Um, but you know, we, we have a, a number of partners that we're, we're constantly in communication with and, and working with, we're kind of building out that internal membership model at the moment. Um, but I think, you know, almost every day myself or my colleague in the Philippines, our executive director there, you know, gets requests, gets emails from a school who wants local seeds for their school garden from, okay. you know, a farmer's organization that wants access to our seed school programs. And so we want to be able to not just respond to those kind of in a one-off way, but say, Hey, we'd love for you to engage. Here's how to do it in a formal way. Um, right. So right. I think the other thing that we've seen Stu is just with the the pandemic and kind of the rise of, of everyone in the Philippines being more engaged with farming, be that urban folk or, or rural communities, you know, our, our hits on social media, our, our, our social presence has really increased in the Philippines, oh, great. Um, which is super exciting. We're actually getting ready to bring on a, a local uh, marketing and communications staff member um, to, to run those things um, for us to really make sure that the voice, you know, the, the voice of the audience that's being reached. I mean, we have our donor audience here, but that we're really having that Philippine voice um, share the perspective of our work and what we're doing. Yeah, I think that's really great. And what's fortunate is that the you know, the cost associated with bringing someone on over in the Philippines is a lot lower than over here. And you can get real, you can get some really great people in that area for, um, for a lot less money than here domestically. Um, 
Yeah. So, and the authenticity piece, I think, is is fantastic to hear as well. It sounds like you don't have what we would call an attraction problem. You you have an, a steady influx of inquiries and and people who are engaging with your brand, um, and then moving on to that connect phase, um, you know, it sounds like you're, you're collecting email addresses, you're, you're building a community. Um, is that, is that accurate? Are you, yeah. are you doing things with, with all of these, these touch points that you have? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we have a, a newsletter list. We, you know, we have a, our growing social feed and, and, you know, we're keeping a running, a running tally of, of all these things. I mean, honestly, Stu, it's kind of an, an abundance of desire at the moment um, right. and, and us wanting to position ourselves and make sure that we are, are, are not overtaxing our small but mighty team in, in responding to all of these needs. And so, um, you know, we're, we're really spending uh, the, next, the next month or so doing a lot of this internal work, bringing on more team members, bringing on more folks, and then we're going to be able to, to hit the ground running and and, and continue to respond to, to the needs. Yep. Yeah, that's great. One of the things that we've seen work really well <clears throat> when you, you mentioned a newsletter and I think newsletters are a great part of any organization's kind of general outreach. One of the things that we've seen starting to work really well for our clients and, and, and for us actually as a, as an organization, my, um, my, Real job is is as a, a digital marketing agency uh, right. co founder, um, and what we have started doing is is really pairing those emails down to one specific piece of information or one specific value driving um, component, as opposed to just throwing a bunch of stuff out there for people to kind of choose their own adventure. So when people send out newsletters, they they tend to have you know the three latest blog posts and this other thing that we did and this event that went really well. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, some other thing and like two or three calls to action and people can get a little lost in, yeah. in that messaging. And it also feels really impersonal because people can spot a newsletter, you know, 3000 miles away, right. Yep. Where there's an opportunity um, with your email list, people on that list have raised their hand. So, so they've taken an action to get on that list. And so providing more frequent, more specific elements or items of value to that list is, is can be really effective because it does feel so personal. So it, it, if you strip out all that design and you strip out all that kind of, you know, like I said, choose your own adventure sort of messaging and really de deliver a single piece of valuable material or insight or information, um, that, that feels like it could have been written to a specific person. Um, I think that you can, you'll, you would see how you start to get better engagement because people feel like they're being talked to as a person and not just a list. Yeah, no, I, that's great. And thanks for sharing that, that tidbit and, and knowledge with us. That's, that's great. You know, we've, we've actually kind of, we're kind of on a, on a bit of a pause right now from some of our, our communications in that way, because we're mm -hmm. in this rebuilding and, and kind of re-envisioning how we want to go about sharing those messages. But I, I love that you shared that. And, and something we, 
we did a better job of um, going into last year was we kind of peppered a monthly newsletter that every other month was then a blog. And it was more of a yeah. personal story from yeah. one of our staff members or, or, you know, getting permission from one of our farmers to share one of their stories. Um, because again, I agree with you, it's that personal connection. And I think, especially now in, we've, we've kind of all adjusted to this digital connection, but we still need that, that human connection, that personal connection. Yeah. And we, we need good stories right now in the world. Right. And so it's a, uh, I, I love that tip and we'll, uh, I'm going to, I'll make a note of that and share that with our new marketing person when we bring her on. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. One of the things that, that we've, we've seen work really well is to actually just take those blog posts and instead of, instead of putting, you know, a synopsis of three three posts in an, in a newsletter, just go ahead and send each of those posts out individually. Um, you know, have a, have a greeting that says, Hey, Hey, Stu. Um, and then just go right into the, right into the blog post. Um, and, and yes, I could have gotten that if I'd gone to the site, but, but you do have this kind of captive audience that, um, that is engaged. Um, they've asked to be, you know, corresponded with. So they're more likely to, uh, to see that. And then having just a single call to action, if, if there even is one, um, and I would kind of mix things up and, and have it, have it be that you're not always asking people for donations or, right. or action. Um, but, but really giving them the opportunity to, um, engage with your organization in a variety of different ways. Um, it can be really effective. Absolutely. Yep. That's great. Um, in terms of your social media, what, how, how frequently, and what, what's your approach to, to social? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, uh, that again, it's not like we've, we've found our, our unicorn, but I, I'm very excited that we're bringing on a, a, a specific dedicated team member to help run these, these aspects of our work. Um, cause I do think we've reached that stage as an organization where we need a committed team member that's, that's managing this. So, you know, we mainly have a presence on Facebook and Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. We do have a Twitter account, but it, it, we don't really post there a whole lot. Um, I would say that we post three to four times a week. Um, okay. And and it's really a range. And, and we're kind of in the process right now of thinking through more of a schedule. How are we tying that into our bigger communication strategy? Um, you know, a lot of what we've started to do recently as more and more of our partners in the Philippines are are becoming more active on social is it's sharing a lot of content of like-minded organizations, right? Right. Um, You know, we have some wonderful partners that we've held seed schools with that we've worked in their communities and they're starting to build their own social presence. And so we always like to post their stories and, and, and share their articles. Um, And then obviously, you know, sharing, sharing stories of the field, sharing, you know, if we have a training that's happened, we'll post about that. We'll, you know, we'll post articles of interest. Um, But I actually, I've been having fun just as someone that, that currently is still kind of the one posting things. I'm very excited to pass that off. Um, right. <laughs> but I, it's been super fun, Stu, to see more and more of our partners start to share content and, and start to develop their social platform. And so again, kind of in this spirit of, of us as Global Seed Savers wanting to be the coalition builder, yeah. like we don't need to spend the time making all the content. We can share the quality content from our friends. And that, and that's a, that's a great way to, to spread the network and to share, share the same messaging, you know? 
Yeah, I love that that you've figured that out. Um, I'm not the only person that's come up with this idea, um, and, and, and in fact, uh, I would you know it, it would be disingenuous of me to to claim that that ownership of this. But it's it's this idea of being a maven, and you don't have to have created all of the all of the thought leadership. You just know how to ha- have to know how to access it, yep. and people will remember that, and they'll remember that you. Um, helped them get some some valuable information, and it doesn't have to be you know always something that you sat down and and spent you know twelve weeks researching and and you know writing and and delivering. Um, just knowing <clears throat> that something is important and being able to share that and and maybe add a little you know add two add your two cents of why you think it's important, right? Um, you know to provide validation, but but really you know, we don't always have to be in that content creation mode. We can just be in that content content distribution mode, particularly if we are adding a little bit of flavor to it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, for that, I mean, that really ties in with our model, right? Like we, we as an organization want to be able to come in and help provide, help support, help, help encourage. But our long-term vision is that the communities where we establish these seed libraries, where we do these trainings, that they're mm-hmm. locally led, right? That the that the farmers in that community, whatever the structure is, you know, we come in and bring some value add and then we're able to walk away. Right. Right. Um, And so I think that that's kind of in the same spirit when you talk about sharing quality content, you know, it's like, don't think that you're the only one that can create good thought. You know, there's a lot of good thought out there and what a better, what a better opportunity to share that and get those cross pollination happening um with with other like-minded organizations yeah for sure that's what we would kind of consider to be um it's a little bit of a blend between the inspire phase and the and the bond phase but essentially um you know not everyone is going to be ready to take an action on day one and so just providing them valuable information that that feels genuine and and is you know, really comes from this, from this position of altruism and and the idea that, that you just want to help, um, people pick up on that. And then when they are ready to take action and, and really move into that, into that engagement cycle, um, you know, you, you'll be top of mind. Yep. Absolutely. And then I, I I think (laughs) I heard that you're doing a lot of kind of kind of back and forth in social as well, where, where you're reaching out to other organizations and responding to people, et cetera. Um, you know, that's something that we see a lot of people miss with, with social media is that it, they tend to use it as sort of this soapbox as opposed to, um, you know, being a, a relationship builder. So I, I, I think I heard that you're, you're out, you know, engaging with, with other organizations and, <laughs> and, um, and, 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 you know, answering people who, who post to your, uh, platform as well. Yeah, no, we, we definitely are. And, and again, we're, as we're bringing on more team members to work with this process, you know, we're, we're excited to maybe even, you know, initiate some of our own back and forth communication with those audiences. So, you know, how can we send out a, a, a poll or how can we, you know, whatever, I don't, surveys are very archaic and, and rooted in, all sorts of bad structures, but, you know, I think, how can we, how can we help create that for our, our folks as well? Um, and so, yeah. And again, I think, you know, we're just excited to be able to bring on, um, more team members to help inspire and focus on that process, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times it's just listening, just asking questions and listening for, for the answers that you get. Um, and, and I think that that's something that's really, you know, it tends to be a little bit, 
a little bit missing from social media at times is people, people feel like they're always the expert and, and yep. really it's just a matter of, of starting a conversation and, and building that relationship through, um, you know, through back and forth interactions. Yep. Absolutely. What is your donor structure? Do, do you, is it typically coming from stateside donations or is there a good donor base in the Philippines as well? Yeah, we're we're starting to grow a donor base locally. That's actually a big strategic um, initiative for us in the Philippines is, is growing that local donor base and, and really honing in on our programmatic revenue streams. Um, but currently, you know, we're still, you know, 90, 90 plus percent funded um, here here in here in the West. Um, we're still primarily individual donor funded. We do have a grants portfolio that's that's growing, um, but you know grants are grants are a tricky world, um, mm-hmm. and we're we're grateful for all of our grant grant funders, um, but also you know really wanting to move into this more consistent long-term multi-year funding. Um, and we, we actually just secured our first ever multi-year individual donor gift. It's a, it's a, it's a game changer for us. It's a transformational gift over the next four years, which is just amazing. Um, and we're very, very grateful to that donor. And, and I think for us, it's just a, it's a sign that the time that we've put into relationships is, is leading to the right thing. And you know, we hope that that's going to turn into more of those types of relationships to help really complement the on the ground uh, revenue generation and on the ground kind of um, fundraising that's starting to take that's starting to happen. Yeah, that's a great uh, topic of conversation. Certainly, attempting to move people from just one-time donations to. Um, you know, more predictable commitments over a period of time, even if those are smaller individual donations. So for example, you know, just getting a bunch of people on a $10 a month, right? Um, a lot of times that's an easier sell um, than trying to get somebody to give, you know, $120 today. Um, so really attempting to escalate that engagement is something that can be really super effective for your organization because it does build predictability. Um, it creates that, um, you know, that, that budget budgetable against cash flow yep. that, that we're all, you know, so in need of. And in the nonprofit space there tend to be, you know, the, the big, the big time of year, it tends to be in, in, at the end of the year, um, yep. you know, during Thanksgiving and, and holiday season giving as well as, um, just people trying to fulfill an end of year kind of commitment that they've made and they've waited to the last moment minute. So <laughs> certainly, you know, that is not going to go away, but even during those times, attempting to get people to commit to longer term, month over month, regular donations, um, it, you know, getting, getting that transition, um, can really be a game changer for a, a, for a nonprofit because it enables you to, like I said, when you have people who've raised their hands, so certainly someone who's said, yes, put me on your email list. That's a, that's a hand raise. Somebody who said, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd like to give to your organization. That's a, a little bit higher hand raise. And if you think of ways to escalate that engagement, um, to get them to get used to, uh, donating monthly, for example, then you can go back to those donors on a fairly regular basis and, and just ask for a little bit more commitment every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's just, you know, it's a way to, um, you know, to kind of escalate that. 
the other piece that I think a lot of nonprofits may discount or, or, or just miss is this idea of getting someone to do to escalate from an individual donor to a corporate donor. Um, and so just letting people know that you're open to corporate, um, you know, partnership arrangements or corporate donorship kind of agreements. A lot of corporations are out there trying to, um, you know, do more good in the world. We have B Corps and, and everybody else kind of forming. And, and a lot of these organizations, particularly if they're in your space, are looking to, to do a little bit more to give back. And, um, and so it's a good opportunity to take an individual donor and put it, you know, in their mind that they could go to their, um, you know, their place of business or, or their company if they're, you know, in a, in a position to make, make those decisions, um, and have, have that company come on as a corporate sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, uh, you just, you just, uh, shared a lot of potential ways to go about it. I mean, those of us on the, on the ground making those things happen, it, it isn't quite that simple. Um, but it's, uh, I think again, nope. it's all about relationships, right? Steve? Yeah, um, so exactly. like, for example, this, this very generous individual donor that's now given us this transformational gift over the next four years, you know, I've spent a lot of time cultivating that relationship. Right. Um, and, and there's just a good connection point, right? Like this person is very committed to our work, cares deeply about the mission. And, but again, it takes time. Like what's the, in the fundraising world, what do they say? It takes 18, 18 months to like cultivate a new donor, um, which is like a pretty, a pretty scary time, uh, time crunch when you're, when you're operating in our current realities. Um, but I think it is about putting in that time and and putting in those relationships and that is hard, you know, it, it takes a lot of patience. Um, but I think it's, it's, you know, we're sitting in this place of just tremendous gratitude and, and excitement that, you know, combined with this transformational gift, um, you know, there's also this continued groundswell for the work on the ground. And so, you know, really hoping we can marry those two. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing that we, we've spent a lot of time building that base, right? Like building right. those small donors, building those monthly donors. Still would love to still have more monthly donors if anyone's sure. inspired and wants to, yeah. wants to dive in in that way. But I think the, the tipping point that we're at, or at least I see with our, our U.S. donors is we're going to want to maintain those folks. But mm-hmm. now that we've received this type of multi-year, very substantial commitment, like that's where we can head now right? Yeah. Like that will hopefully be a door to more folks like that. And again, yeah. we're going to maintain our base. And, you know, frankly, COVID has required a lot of small nonprofits to dig into that base, right? Yes. And to, and to, you know, what are the relationships that you're going to maintain during a pandemic? It's people that already know and love you. And, Absolutely. and that's what we've had to do. In addition to, to being at the place programmatically where some grant funding has also opened up. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a timing thing and, and every year is different. Um, but we're, we're rolling into this quarter two of this year, feeling, feeling, feeling a little bit of breath um, because we have, we have some of this, this money in the bank to really give us the time to do this internal work so that we can respond um, when we're ready. Yeah, it just takes the pressure off, right? When you have yeah. when you have that predictability and and that understanding that that you're funded for for you know at least a while, yeah, uh, lets you make different decisions. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So one of the things that's that's just really interesting, and it comes, it, it, it's it's endemic or it's it, it's just kind of baked into the nonprofit world, is this challenge where when you're asking for donations, you have to be able to 
demonstrate and and state your value proposition really strongly. And one of the things I love on your site is that you and your team have clearly done some of the hard work um, establishing your your values, your vision, and your mission. And and I, I should have taken a peek at your donation page as well. I've, I apologize. I didn't <laughs> didn't do that before our call or before our, our, our discussion here today. But one of the things that's really interesting about non, the nonprofit space is that the um, there's constant friction as people kind of move up this this mountain of engagement and um where in the for-profit world, it's, it's more, there's more gravity to it where people can just kind of get plopped in the top and then, and then you nurture them a little bit and then they come out the bottom and take an action, take the action that you want them to take, like to buy something in the nonprofit world. There's this constant pressure that, that people have to overcome this, you know, this gravity that they're fighting against as they move up this engagement ladder to make a decision on whether or not to, uh, to engage with your organization and really establishing this idea of why, why people should give to your organization instead of to another organization that might have a similar goal or not give at all. So there's kind of this extra, uh, (laughs) there's this extra tension in there. So it's really cool to see, that you guys have done some of that hard work establishing that values, vision, and mission, because I think that that's the foundation of that, of that value proposition, um, which is that story that you can relate that, that really convinces people why they should, why they should give to you today instead of giving to someone else or not at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and actually Stu, like on a, on a personal note, like I'm, I, this is like what I read late at night when I can't go to sleep is like, there's a real reckoning happening in the world of philanthropy right now. And Mm -hmm. it's very positive. Um, and, and, and I think that, that the way in which organizations, um, engage with their donors and maybe even more importantly, donors engage with organizations is going to continue to shift and change. And that needs to happen. Um, and again, to me, that all goes back to relationships, right? Like this is about building rapport with people. This is about telling a true authentic story and, and building trust. And the problem with so much of our institutional funding is that it completely denies the trust relationship, right? When you, Mm -hmm. when you are, where, and I'm not saying nonprofits shouldn't have to prove or shouldn't have to demonstrate impact, but there's lots of ways to show impact and who's defining what that impact is, right? Is it the donor or is it the actual people on the ground living the work, right? And so, you know, something that we're really excited about and that we as an organization have thought about for a long time, but hence why the local leadership, the local revenue support, the local dynamic of what we do is so mm-hmm. essential because that that is what's going to propel the work forward. And then, you know, for us, you think about this just in our sector. I mean, there's a real valid ethical debate in the seed saving world around the world here in the Philippines, elsewhere of the ethics of the commodification of something as regenerative as seeds. Right. Um, and so those are, those are conversations that we have in our partner communities, right? Like we're excited to see more and more farmers growing seed and be able to potentially sell that seed. But if they, if there is a real belief that seeds should not be commodified and seeds should actually be freely shared, then let's do that because that's the long game, right? Like, 
a short term a short term sale may not actually lead to the long term regenerative process that seed saving is meant to bring. Um, right. So you know, I think this is like not telling you a specific way that we do this, but I think it's it's sharing that these are the conversations that we're continuing to evolve and have um, because I think that 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 model of relying on the commodification of services, you know, really takes away the the dignity of the partners of the work itself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I love that you keep coming back to this idea of relationships because in, 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 the, in our view, you know, marketing is all just relationship building and it's just mm-hmm. all about creating a sense of comfort and, and trust and building that trust over time um, that encourages people to take an action. Um, and whether that action is to, is to, you know, call their congressperson or, <laughs> um, or donate or volunteer or, or, you know, do something else. Um, you know, the, it's all built on that trust that, that comes over time. And, and, um, and so I love that you're using that language. I think it's, it's fantastic to hear, to hear that you've, that you've figured that out yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I mean, I think some of that's just the nature of how we started and the work that we do. I mean, what, what brings humans together more than food, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. just, I mean, in theory, right? Like that's the the great connector, even if you don't have an abundance of it, hopefully people are sitting down and and sharing some sort of food. And so I think just by the pure nature of our mission, um, it's about relationships. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's great to see it tied, tied back to that mission. I mean, it just makes it an easier conversation to have with, if it's baked into the, to yep. the whole ethos of, of the organization, then it's just, you know, it's just a natural conversation and it feels, it, it feels legitimate and authentic because it is. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's really um, great. I did just take a peek at your donation page, and I think that that if you have access to that, um, there are a couple things that you could probably probably modify on that page just to make things run a little more smoothly. Um, if you're interested, I can I can share a couple of ideas with you. Sure, happy to. You know, we're we're like I said, we're bringing on some new marketing comms people, and we're we're planning a kind of a website overhaul here in the next few months. So. Would love any suggestions. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I think you know having a dedicated team, you know, geared toward looking at this stuff every day and and running A/B tests and and things of that nature is you know that's absolutely where where I would recommend you go with this. So one of the things that I'm that I like about this page is that you've you've focused the focused the action. So you're not, there's no way to actually like click off to go do anything else. You've, um, you're, you're using a, uh, I guess give, um, yeah, it's a, it's a site. Hopsy Hopsy is the site that we use. Yeah. Yeah. So they've stripped out all the navigation, which I think is important. You could probably go even further with that. There's some stuff in the, in the footer that you could probably get rid of, um, to keep things focused. One of the things that's not here is <clears throat> continuing that um, continu- continuing that that value proposition conversation that we talked about a little while earlier. So probably worth exploring ways to have a little bit more messaging here that just reinforces the action that you're 
you, that you're trying to get people to take. And that sounds a little counterproductive because I, we've all been kind of hammered in the marketing world for for the last however many years that you want to you know reduce the number of clicks and reduce you know <laughs> any any distractions at all. Um, but one of the things that we found is that for a lot of organizations, just having a, a reinforcement of that of that value proposition on the uh, donation page can be really super effective. Yeah, for sure. And I think some of what you're probably getting at is um, that's great feedback for the main donation page. You know, we, we do throughout the year, some different annual like crowdfunding peer to peer Mm -hmm. campaigns and those pages definitely have had, I think a little bit more of that, but that's a good, that's a good tip. And, you know, like I said, we're, we, this website needs a bit of an overhaul. It's a, it's not, it's not, it's not even, I'm not even talking design. I'm talking just updating content, right. you know, making sure that it's really reflecting, uh, the evolution of where we're at now as an organization. Yeah. I think, you know, almost every website out there is, that's why I, I laugh about under construction <laughs> is, you know, you, you don't see under construction pages much anymore, but back in the day, that was sort of a thing that you would see all the time. And it's like, well, every right. web page is under construction. Like they should all, <laughs> they should all be constantly, you know, tweaked and, and massaged and monitored. And, yep. and like I said, if you can do AB testing on stuff, um, you'll get a good, you'll get a better understanding of what's working and what, what resonates with people. Um, and so, you know, the, the fact that you, that you have this as in, in the back of your mind as, as something that's important to, uh, to tackle, I think is, is just great. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Yep. Um, uh, again, you know, we, we all like to, to think that we're all unicorns here in the nonprofit <laughs> sector. And, uh, you know, we're, we're grateful to have been able to identify some new, some new excitement and enthusiasm in the team, but, you know, we got to temper expectations too, but we're, yeah. we, we like to call ourselves un- seed unicorns, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so what are, what are the motivations of your, your donors here in the States? What, what are they hoping to accomplish by by engaging with with you and and helping you fulfill your mission through through their their donations? That's a I, I like the way that you phrased that question, and you know it it makes me want to ask them all of that, <laughs> um, which yeah. I feel like we do. You know, I think the biggest motivation is that people feel inspired to want to support the people that are feeding the planet, right? Like it's, you know, I think the, the center point that we connect people on is, is something very fundamental, which is our sustenance. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that, you know, our donors really connect with that. Um, You know, I think I'm, I'm very grateful that over the years, like so many of my friends and family have become part of the family as well. You know, these are people that maybe not necessarily ever, knew about the Philippines, but through those personal connections have grown to love the people and the work. Um, you know, and, and I think that there's another piece to, to our work that's really about justice, right? That's, that's right. really about, you know, s- painting the picture of, hey, like what the multinational biochemical corporations are doing to the world is really destructive. And we're presenting a very authentic grassroots alternative and people respond to that. Right. So, you know, we have a lot of friends of mine in the network. So very values aligned people. Um, you know, we have a lot of other farmers, other seed savers, you know, other people that, that do this work here domestically that are like, wow, I feel in solidarity with the farmers in the Philippines. 
Um, so I, I think it's, it's connecting on all those values, value points, you know? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's great. And I think, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that you, you might want to ask those questions. I think, <laughs> I think that the more insight and, and, um, knowledge that you can gather around people's motivations for engaging with your organization, the more you can have a good understanding of the kinds of materials that you might want to put out there to attract more of the same people and the kinds of, of, uh, materials that you might want to put out there in order to, you know, escalate the engagement of those who are, who are currently, uh, involved. Um, and, and, and getting those demographics and psychographics can help you build, um, you know, uh, uh, personas of kind of these ideal donors or ideal um, influencers or ideal even in, even beneficiaries. So you have a great understanding of when someone shows up, whether or not they are, you know, I'm, I'm going to use this kind of judgy term, but the quote unquote right person. Sure. Um so it helps with your ability to message to those groups. It helps with your ability to um, to be able to make good decisions in terms of of whether or not this is a you know a, a someone that you want to want to hop on immediately in terms of of engaging, or if they might need a little bit more um, nurturing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it just really helps. Um, it helps streamline all of that. And, and at the end of the day, that ends up saving, saving you time and money, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, of your outreach. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Have you done any of those types of exercises in the past? Um, I I think we have here and there, like, you know, we, we, um, we host a a big annual event. It's a, a Filipino brunch, Um, you know, this last year it was virtual, which was actually great because more and more of our Philippine community could join from the Philippines. And, you know, that's something we always ask, like, how did you hear about us? Um, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, but that event has really grown to like a, you know, people look forward to it every year in our network here. And, and, um, you know, we've evolved to it being people can buy tables. So then those consistent guests always bring new friends each year. Mm-hmm. Um, which is super exciting. And, and, you know, we were, we were able to make the digital pivot, which was nice. Um, it, uh, it, it definitely didn't bring in as much revenue as we had hoped, but we feel really, it was a very successful event regardless. Um, right. you, know, you just, you just, for where we're at right now, you just don't raise as much money, um, via a virtual event as you do in person. It's just, it's just sure. kind of the mode that we're in, but it's a good, it's a good, it's a good question, Stu. And I think, you know, we're doing a lot of, of board development. We're doing a lot. Um, you know, again, our, the groundswell of the work is really taking off on the ground. And I think that that's an even better question to ask people on the ground in the Philippines, Mm -hmm. right? Like if we start getting new hits or like new partners saying, Hey, like we'd love to do seat school. Let's ask them, like, why do you want to engage with us? Like what's the, and I mean, that's something we do in our partnership development anyway, right? We always meet, we connect, we build those relationships. We learn if it's a good fit, but I, I think that that's a really um, an interesting way to think about engaging with donors as well. Yeah, for sure. I think there are a couple things that I heard there that that are interesting. And the first one is is really going to the 
to the numbers in terms of of your virtual event versus your in-person event. Um, one of the things that tends to happen is people get very focused on the on the gross receipts right. and lose a little bit of a track of the net receipts. And so even though your gross may be down from virtual events, the cost of running a virtual event can be oh. astronomically less expensive. <laughs> no, and so Stu, it was amazing, right? Like I'm yeah. like reflecting back when I like t- sent in the board report and we talked about it. I mean, it was like, it's ridiculous how little money we spent for such an impactful, yeah. amazing gathering. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think that that's going to be interesting, at least in this part of the world, as we start to get back in person. I mean, it, there is something nice about being in person and, you know, for our event, it's, it's very tactile. It's a meal. Yeah. You sit together, you conversate, but we were still able to build that positive energy virtually. And to your point, it, cost such little money, um, you know? So it's like, well, why not? (laughs) Yeah. Well, the other thing that I think we've learned is that, you know, once you've run a couple of those virtual events, they, they become easier and easier to, to pull off. And so, um, so that's just something to, you know, keep in the back of your mind and, and be thoughtful about, because I think that, that there's an opportunity for us to get really excited about, about gross revenue, when, when, and, and lose track of margins and profit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, especially in the nonprofit space. I think that, that we have a tendency to, um, to not think of profits too much because it's (laughs) the anti of that is in, is in our name. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Which is, which has built a lot of bad cycles in our sector. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 And then the other thing that I think would be interesting you know, you've, you've mentioned this big donor a couple of times and trying to, you know, in a, in a non-intrusive way, um, tease out some of their motivations and some of their, some of the, the, you know, like I said, the demographics and psychographics around their decision-making and, and who yep. they are and, and looking for people who are similar to that, yep. um, so that you can get a, a better, a better understanding or, or a, have, have a little more targeted outreach in terms of even, even in the Philippines, like how could you find a couple people like that over there? Yep. Yep. Because, you know, if you can get to those motivations and you can get to those, you know, those thoughts and feelings and, and ideas and figure out how to, how to connect with more people like that, um, you might be able to get, you know, more, more of those people signed on as, as, uh, as big sponsors Absolutely. Um, and big donors. And so really coming at it from, from that deconstructive kind of, um, mindset in terms of really trying to figure, figure it out and not just think, oh, well, this was just a fluke and it's not, uh, reproducible. Um, you know, I think that there's opportunity there to, to build on that momentum. Absolutely. No. And we're, we're really excited to be at that point. And, you know, I think again, to, to bring it back to, to the core of who we are and what we believe in, you know, like seeds teach us to be regenerative like that. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and so I think that we've already seen that happen regardless of large donor or small donor that like, you know, it's, it's become regenerative. Like someone hears, they tell their friend, they tell their friend and it, and it continues to grow. So no, I, I love that. And I'm certainly very hopeful that this, this, uh, you know, the, the security of having the partnership with this really generous donor is going to lead to more of people like her. 
Um, and I think that the way to do that though, is to be really strategic and to dig in and to, to do the work that you're talking about. And we're, we're excited to be at that phase. Yeah, that's great. I I love the idea of regenerative, um, opportunities and, and using that language, you know, even if it's just internally in, you know, putting your, putting, getting that mindset of, of this, you know, you're, you're storing seeds and you're, and you're reaping the rewards of, 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 of that and getting people to become, um, you know, very engaged. That's kind of what we call the inspire phase of engagement, um, where, essentially you're going back to the well and you're asking them for additional help. And that help doesn't have to be, um, you know, financial. It can be, you know, share your story, um, as a donor, even, um, share your story as somebody who's engaged in this, in, in this community, um, you know, spread the word, get more people engaged and, and just leveraging that list and leveraging all of those people who over the years have, have chosen to, um, to engage with your organization to get them to bring, you know, two more people in Absolutely, um, yep. is it's, it's really, um, you know, even if it's just asking them to share, um, you know, share something with their network that, that can be incredibly, uh, if fruitful. Yep. Yep. In the exactly. long run. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And you know, I think, I think too, like uh, it, it's, it's wonderful to kind of be at the place where we can think about engagement points that aren't just asking for a donation. Right. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that obviously we would gratefully accept any donations that people want to give, but I think mm-hmm. we're at a, a place in our life cycle where there's a lot of different entry points. And I think that that's just the way any of these movements are, right? Like, here's the thing. Like, I was just having a conversation yesterday with a board member we're recruiting and and this particular person was like, I don't know, like, I don't grow seeds. Like, you know, I, I get your mission. I'm Filipino. I care about it. Like, you know, and I was like, hey, there's a lot of entry points to engage in this work. Like, you don't need to be an active gardener farmer to right. get this and to become an advocate, right? There's right. a, and so I think you know one of our mentors um, from the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance, Bill McDorman, you know he he teaches seed teachers, and I'm one of his his graduates. And you know, Bill always says like, teach what you care about, right? So right. like, Bill can get up and teach all about genetics and all the technical stuff, but like when I get up and talk about seeds, like. I tell the stories of the farmers. I tell the stories of the injustices in our systems, right? Because right. that's what gets me excited. And so I think that that's a great way to think about how to keep donors engaged and excited is asking them, why are you excited about this work? Great. Could you tell that story? Not in a, hey, give money, but in a, yep. hey, I'm just inspired to share about this awesome work with you. Yeah, absolutely. And we, yeah. we touched on that a little earlier in terms of just having a variety of different asks that don't always, you know, so, so you're not always asking the same thing, you know, it keeps people on their toes. It gives them something unique to, to, to pay attention to. I mean, if the, you know, if the button in your email is always donate now, pretty soon people stop seeing that button. Um, I I would argue that maybe you don't need a button in your email regardless, because that makes it feel impersonal and and like a marketing uh, piece. But certainly if, if all you're ever doing is asking for money, um, people will start to, uh, 
you know, that, that, that ask will start to, to be less visible. Yep. Um, and so if, if you're always keeping them on their toes, like, well, what are they going to ask me for this, this week? Um, <laughs> you know, and it's something interesting and new and fresh and, you know, like maybe, maybe the ask is to just go, you know, plant, plant a seed and see what happens. You know, yeah. that, that might be an amazing, yeah. amazing thing to encourage people to do. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Or, you know, go for a walk and look for the seeds that are all around because they're yeah. everywhere. You know, yeah. once you start paying attention, they're, they're there. You see them. <laughs> yeah. It's super cool. Yeah. Well, I can't believe it's been an hour already. I've I really <laughs> super enjoyed my conversation with you today. I, I, uh, I love having these chats with, with nonprofit leaders and I'm really excited for where you guys are going. If people want to learn more about, um, your organization, where, where where should they go to get get information about Global Seed Savers? Um, yes. So as I said, you know, we're kind of going to be revamping our website, but that is still a good portal. So feel free to go to Global Seed Savers with an S dot org. That's a great space. Um, and then same same name on Facebook, Global Seed Savers, as well as on Instagram. That's where we're posting pictures and content and sharing articles about about the work and, and why this movement's important. Fantastic. And I, I love having these conversations and I love talking about things, but I really want to inspire action. And so one of the questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of the show is if you had to inspire people to take one action after listening to our show today, um, and it can be anything, you know, everything from, from, like I said, plant a tree or, or, uh, you know, go look for seeds. What, what would that action be for, for people to help, help motivate them to, to, to get out and do something? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a really beautiful question. And a lot of different answers are coming to my head. Um, I would really encourage everyone to step away from their computer, uh, and walk outside and just be still outside and observe what you see. Um, and you just might, you just might see some seeds or some new life sprouting up. And that's, that's what this is all about. Right. Um, so yeah, step away from your desk, get outside and, and be still in nature. And that's gonna, that's gonna take you where you need to go. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like something I'd like to go do right after, right after we get done. I'm with you, Stu. I'm going to head out for my, my annual walk every day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being on the show today, Sherry. It was really wonderful speaking with you. And I encourage everyone to go to check out globalseedsavers.org. And um, I look forward to hearing more about how, how things are going. Awesome. Well, thanks for all your tips and advice and, and really enjoyed the conversation, Stu. It's always my pleasure. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, there you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks for listening. If you would like to learn more about how to apply the audience engagement cycle to expand your organization's mission, there are two things you can do. Right now, you can go to missionuncomfortablebook.com to download a copy of my book. And while you're there, you can get your purpose-driven marketing score to see where you can unearth some gold for your organization. If you'd like to listen to back episodes of the show or sign up to be a guest, go to relishstudio.com slash podcast. That's it for this week. I'll be back next week for another great episode of Relish This.